Um, it's good. It's really good to have you all with us. And it's a real uh, privilege, actually, for us to host uh, this special 35th anniversary service. Um, it's a long time, 35 years, as Andrew's just said. Um, but it doesn't just represent time past, does it? Um, it represents lives. And 600 and... I can't remember the number you said. 660 or something? Or, that's a lot. A lot of uh, young people have come through the doors at 309 uh, Wing there in Cutforth Road. And as we said yesterday, had the dinner at the Memorial Hall, and I was uh, privileged to be there with Andrea yesterday... And uh, meet Kevin Gatland, um, who's the OBE from the REF and did sort out the 100-plane uh, flypass fly just a, a short time ago. Um, but many other lives have been changed as well. We think of Ethan Pierce, uh, connected with our church, who's currently training with the REF as well. But as Andrew said, not just people that go into the services, other jobs and uh, experiences are picked up for the rest of life. And it really is brilliant um, to be an air cadet. And I, it's tough for me to say that because I was a scout um, but all they did was just uh, shout at me when I was in the scouts, but that's not, I wasn't around here, so uh, they're much better around here, obviously. Um, but it's good, and uh, the cadets are a great bunch, and uh, my only sadness, I'm the, the chaplain officially, so I, I pop in from time to time and try and do something vaguely interesting, um, and everyone's very polite about that, bless you. Um, but it's one of my great sadnesses, really, that I'm unable to get in as much as I'd like, so I would love to come in every week, um, twice a week, and just hang out and chat, but um, life is as it is, sadly. But maybe, maybe 2019, we'll try, we'll try and sort that out. I'm going to tell you a story. Um, you are supposed to laugh at the end, so feel free to get yourself ready for that. It's vaguely funny. Um, it's a, one of Aesop's fables, I think. So a man and his son were walking down the road with their donkey uh, towards the market. As they walked down, the father was on the right and the son was on the left. And after about half a mile, they passed someone on the street. And someone said to them, you're a fool. What's the point of having a donkey if someone doesn't ride it? And so, well, the son got on the donkey, the father put his son on, and they carried on. A bit later, they passed another person who waved his finger at the young boy on the back of the donkey and said, you lazy so-and-so, your poor old dad trudging along next to the donkey. You should let your old man sit on the donkey and you walk next to it. So they switched places. The man, the dad sat on the donkey and the son walked behind him. Another person, a bit later on, looked at the dad and said, you... You're older, you've had all this life experience, and your poor son is walking when he should be riding and you should be walking next to the donkey. And so the dad decided to lift his son up and place him next to him, and they both rode the donkey together. A bit later on, two people got very cross about animal cruelty, and they said, a donkey can't take both your weights, what's wrong with you? And I don't know what happened at the end, but they were last seen carrying the donkey. (laughs) Well done, that's good, that's good. I have to warn the church normally that I have to laugh at the right moments, otherwise I'd tell the joke twice. I wanted to just say a few words about words. Uh, we've heard a bit this morning from two cadets and, uh, and Andrew as well, and, and I just wanted to share a few words myself, because words can be very powerful, can't they? What we say can affect the lives of other people. They reckon that on average, the average human being says between 7,000 and 20,000 words every single day. There is a, a division of What kind of person says 7,000 and what kind of person says 20,000? But I'll let you work that out yourselves. Anyway, but some things we say can be interesting. Some things we say can be useful. Sometimes we have something good to say that builds someone up. A lot of time we waffle. A lot of time you think someone's going to be really interesting and then they speak and you realize how disappointed you were. They say that light, well, don't say it's true. Light travels faster than sound, which is why someone can appear bright until you hear them speak. Our words, sorry. Um, But our words can be really interesting, or sometimes we engage in what can only be described as needless waffle. I'm very concerned that as I approach my, in my approach, 
as I enter my 40s, that I'm developing the gift of waffle. I'm becoming one of those people that say, well, my sister's brother's dog's husband's friend's pet car, owner's neighbour, Susan, and you just think, just cut to the chase, it's boring. Anyway, so we talk a lot. Some words define a generation. Sometimes people say things at just the right time that, that start a movement, start something that the world change and changes history. Martin Luther King famously said, I have a dream, and said a lot more than that, and started an, a movement, changed a generation, changed a nation. Winston Churchill galvanized this country and many others by declaring we will fight them on the beaches. People said, yeah, come on. Words build people up. Florence Nightingale, although you would never have heard this phrase, I guess, said this, I attribute my success to this. I never gave or took any excuse. You may not have heard that, but words like that inspire me to work a bit harder and not blame someone else when things don't work out. And Neil Armstrong put something in the mind of consciousness of an entire planet when he said it's one small step for man, but one giant leap for mankind. And so words can be very powerful. And actually, what we say can either build people up or bring them down. What we listen to can either build us up or bring us down. In the book of James, chapter 3, verses 5 to 8, Paul, the man that wrote it, says this, about words. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, sets it on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. Serious stuff when he wrote that. It wasn't kidding. But our words can really, really do good or really, really do evil. And so it's quite wonderful that when you become a cadet, at 309 in every squadron, you have to say the cadet promise. And in fact, every single one sitting here, I think, I, well, I did enroll everybody here. Um, which is good. And um, we say the promise together, a promise full of good words. And I'm going to say it, feel free to join me if you really want to, but this is what the cadet promise is. I hereby solemnly promise on my honour to serve my unit loyally and to be faithful to my obligations as a member of the Air Training Corps. I further promise to be a good citizen, to do my duty to God and the Queen, my country and my flag. I always want to end with forever and ever I'll remember. That's the Lord's Prayer. I sometimes get confused. But it's a good words to start your career as a cadet. Because the challenge is not just to fit in and get those experiences and make friends, but actually to be as good as you are on a Tuesday and a Friday, on a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Monday and the weekend, when no one's looking and when they are looking, to make a positive difference, not just in uniform, but out of it as well. But that challenge goes for every single one of us. A bit earlier on, Stephanie read to us the words of Psalm 46. And Psalm 46, really on this theme of words, does two wonderful things. And it may uh, possibly appear at different times behind me. 
Psalm 46 is a song, a song that would have been sung as God's people went to worship him at the temple. They would have sung these words. That's why it's slightly poetic and uses language we don't often use, talking about the earth melting and things like that and desolations. It's a song to express how wonderful God is. And this psalm does two things about words. The first thing it does is it tells us, uses words to describe what God is like, the power, his character, and the plans he has for every single one of us. And our world. In verses 1 to 3, we read about how strong God is and the safety he provides for his people. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. In those first three verses, they sung that out. What they're saying is it doesn't matter what happens. God is bigger than even my biggest problem. Even if the mountain should fall over, God is still bigger and stronger. The writer is using his words to tell us a truth about God that is life-changing. In verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. As they sung this, they're singing this truth that no matter what happens, God to his people is like a fortress. That he surrounds his people when they put their trust in him. That no matter what happens in their lives or in their world, they can trust in the one that will be with them, even when everything else falls apart. This time next week, Britain may seem to look very different. It may get a lot more different after next week. But if we trust in the King of Kings, he will be a fortress to us in our life, and we can trust in him. And then verse 9 says, He makes wars cease. To the ends of the earth, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And the song just saying there again, using these words to say that this God, the God of all the earth, the God that made the earth, is the only one that can bring peace to our lives. The only one who is qualified and powerful enough to bring peace to our world. But this psalm then does something more wonderful than just talk about God. In verse 10, the psalmist actually records the very words of God. Can you imagine it? The actual words of God written down to read. And he says in verse 10, he says, God says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Be still and know that I am God. And it is the most amazing truth And the truth of verse 10 is that right in the middle of trauma and fear and devastation, God says, won't worry, chill out, rest in me, because I'm still God. And everyone can find peace and hope, even if the world falls apart. God is above all and around all, and all who want him will find peace and hope in him. And I tell you what, verse 10, those words of God are life-changing. When you know this God, your life definitely changes. You see, as a Christian, I've been a Christian since I was 11 years old. That wasn't that long ago what it was. It's not as long ago as some other people. That's really all that counts, isn't it? But what I've done since 11 years old is build my life not on the words of other people, what they think of me, if they think I'm a fool or an idiot or an embarrassment. I build my life on the words of God. I build and define myself not on what society says or some YouTuber or some Instagram celebrity who will be here one day and gone the next. I'm building my life and still building my life on the words of the King of Kings 
and the Lord of Lords. The one who loved me so much he gave his only son to die for me on the cross so that I will be with him in heaven when I die. His definition of me is all that I really care about. And how does God define me and you? He defines us as people worth loving, even when no one else does. He defines us as people worth dying for. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, which is all of us, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die, but will have everlasting life. And I'm building my life on those words, not anybody else's. And it's wonderful. Because I feel more strong now than I ever will do, or I ever have done before. So let me end with two questions. I promised you this would be short. <laughs> what sort of things do you say? If you're a cadet, that promise that we all said together all those months or years ago, depending on when you joined, what do you say having said that? Are you the same at home or at school as you are, or at college as you are on a Tuesday and a Friday? Do your words build other people up or bring them down? Do you bring them down to bring you up? Do you watch what you write or what you say? Are the rest of us the same challenge? Do we use our words for good or for bad? Another question, who do you listen to? Who do you allow to define you and change you and mold you and shape you? We've spoken about staff members at 309 and friends who have said wise things that have built us up. But not just there, everywhere. Only let the right voice into your head to make you the man or woman God wants you to be. There is a powerful God A God who speaks, the Bible says. A God who loves every single one of us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us. And that son, Jesus Christ, was called the word of God in the book of John. He sent his son so that we could hear every word he says to each one of us. And so as we celebrate 35 years of 309 Squadron and all the words that have molded lives over those 35 years, I'm here to say, fantastic, well done. Isn't it great? But my job will always be to say there's someone else you should be listening to as well. God Almighty. Because he is desperate to speak more and more and more into every single life in this room and not in this room. And his voice will tell you things you never knew. Things about life and death and eternity and what you're for and what you're not for and how much you actually matter.